Chapter 28 The Exeter The moment Nix realized she was flying, something in her brain shifted. Deep in a forgotten corner of her mind, a giant vault door creaked open, spilling images into her head, a flood of forgotten memories. In a light-speed slideshow, she saw the fat girl lying in bed from a thousand different angles. No, not a bed. A solitary mattress on the floor in a room with a tiny window. The realization that she was somehow staring at herself triggered some overwhelming instinct. Without stopping to think, she dove into the crowd of people and clutched at the lifeless body on the floor. At first, Nix thought she'd done something wrong. The flash of pain nearly consumed her, but in an instant, it was gone, and she found herself staring at the blinding lights on the ceiling. Where was she? Nix, Jordan said. Are you hurt? She wanted to answer, but an excruciating throbbing in her shoulder blade made it hard to breathe. She was at school. Auditions. But something else had happened. She'd seen something amazing. Or scary. What had it been? A dream? Slowly she was able to conjure an image of a lifeless arm, and then everything came back to her. The bare feet, the floating, the hundreds of memories of watching herself sleep. No, not sleep. Something else. Nix! Jordan practically shouted. He was obviously worried she had brain damage or something. My shoulder hurts, she finally mumbled, and my head, but I think I'm fine. I don't know, Mrs. Finkbone said. That was quite a spill. Nix took stock of her body. Every inch of it ached. Her muscles felt oddly sluggish and cold, but she didn't think she had broken any bones. She could certainly hobble off the stage so the next person could audition. I think I just landed wrong. Tiago and Jordan helped her to her feet and walked her down the stairs. Having Tiago touching her arm wasn't making it any easier to get her breath back. Take her up to the nurse, Miss Finkbone called. I can help her, Jordan told Tiago. You should go check on Sarah, or Fawn, whichever. Fawn can take care of herself, Tiago said, but he allowed Jordan to take Nix the rest of the way up the steps. Outside, Nix breathed in the smell of rain. The dry, dusty sidewalk seemed to be aching for the drops to begin. We're not going to the nurse, she said. The heck we're not. There's something seriously wrong with you, Nix. What's the nurse going to do? Fine, we'll take you to the hospital, Jordan said. You hit the ground hard. We don't know if you passed out or if you're narcoleptic or what. Someone needs to check you out. Nix stared off toward the green hill rising in the distance. Jordan, I know what happened. Well, sort of. I know what happened too. You went up to sing and keeled over like you'd been shot. Jordan tried to drag Nix toward the admin building. Everyone freaked out when you hit your head. You probably have a concussion. Nix pulled free of his grip. Jordan, you're worse than my mother. Listen to me. We need to find a place to talk. Talk? And quick, we don't have much time before lunch is over, and this isn't something I want to discuss in front of Weatherwax. Despite Jordan's protests, they finally retreated to their spot behind the auditorium. A thick blanket of clouds covered the entire span of the sky, bathing the world in a pale, shadowless light. Nick sat on the concrete step and leaned her head against the rusty maroon door. Behind it, a girl was singing. She sounded pretty good, whoever she was. Too bad Nix wouldn't be a part of the musical this year. Maybe they'd let her watch rehearsals. Jordan sat on the grass in front of her. Okay, tell me why we're not going to the nurse. Nix stared at a freckle on her arm. Even she didn't understand what was happening. How could she explain it to Jordan? Finally, she said, You know how I dreamed about the fire and about you hitting your head? What if it wasn't really predicting the future? 
What if I was there? Impossible. It would have taken you all night to sleepwalk to Midland and back. Jordan, when I collapsed today, I saw myself lying on the ground. He shielded his eyes from the sun. You mean like you dreamed you fainted? Do you remember me telling you about the Asian girl I dreamed about sometimes? The huge one? Nix cleared her throat. <clears> throat. Turns out she wasn't really Asian. I guess the almond eyes made me think. Was that how fat she looked to the rest of the world? That was mortifying. Why are we talking about your dream girl? Tell me what happened in there. Nix put her hands to her face and tried to remember the exact sensation. Her memories after the fall were muddled and fragmented. I was getting ready to sing when I heard a noise behind me. Everyone started running up on stage. I turned around and saw myself on the ground, with everyone huddled around me. I saw you push people back. Jordan's face had lost all expression. He stared unblinkingly into Nix's eyes, as if trying to find a sign that she was lying or crazy. It was weird. When I saw myself sprawled out there, I suddenly remembered all the other times I'd seen myself lying in bed. Nix's heart sped up as she realized what she was saying. The sound of muffled applause drifted through the open door. The girl had finished her solo. You're confusing me, Jordan said. I think all those dreams I had weren't dreams. Her voice was no more than a whisper. Somehow I was there while my body stayed in bed. Jordan shook his head. Nix, are you trying to tell me your soul or whatever left your body and floated over to all these places? Nix didn't respond. The scornful edge to his voice hurt. Maybe this was something she should have kept to herself. I'm not trying to be mean, but maybe you just dreamed you saw your body lying there or something. That's possible, isn't it? Sure. I mean, if your ghost really left your body, you'd be dead, right? So that's impossible. Nix was glad when the growl sounded. She didn't feel like discussing it anymore. She stood and started toward the central building. Jordan followed in silence. To add to her great mood, McGuckin had finished with the boys' locker room and welcomed them into his office with a slobbery smirk. The remaining three hours passed with excruciating sluggishness. Nix could tell Jordan felt bad about discounting her story. He kept trying to pass her notes when McGuckin was occupied, but she ignored him and kept her head down. The cool desk felt good on her cheek, and she didn't want to hear any more of his feeble hypotheses. As she lay there, her mind grappled for an explanation of her own. Had she really dreamed it all? If so, how could she have known about the fire? Why did she suddenly collapse on stage of all places? No matter what she came up with, none of it made any sense. Something was seriously wrong with her. Maybe she had finally lost her mind. They were standing in line, waiting to board the bus home, when an unintelligible shouting rang through the parking lot. Oye, Santi! Date prisa! A small white car pulled up behind the school bus, and a dark-haired boy stuck his head out the window. Leo. Tiago went to meet him. Jordan faced Nix. I thought you hated the bus, he said. Are you sure you don't want to walk? Nix shook her head. All she could think about was getting home quickly and finding a place to be alone. So Tiago said Pillowhead called again. Nix nodded, but was spared having to answer by Tiago's reappearance. Hey guys, he said. Why don't you come with us? Leo can take us all home. Nix really didn't feel like being cramped in the tiny car, but at least it would get her home faster. And maybe being close to Tiago would help her forget about her horrible day. Leo greeted Nix, but obviously didn't remember her name. That was okay. At least he seemed to recognize her. She was about to slide into the back seat when Tiago was suddenly inches away, practically breathing into her hair. 
Nix had to steady herself against the door. Nix, why don't you get in front? Tiago whispered. Sarah's coming, and I think she'll fit better back here. As soon as he said it, a look of remorse flitted across his face. He seemed to realize too late how that would sound to a girl with weight issues. Sure, Nix said, a little too enthusiastically for the occasion. I like the front. Tiago smiled apologetically. Nix took the front seat. Tiago seemed relieved she'd taken it so well. How could he know her heart had already fallen out and was slowly dying on the pavement? So much for Tiago turning her day around. Still, his comment did provide an effective distraction from her other problem. Rather than reliving her onstage collapse, Nick spent the ride home convincing herself it was silly to get her feelings hurt. Tiago obviously hadn't meant anything by his casual remark, and it certainly did work better with a skinny little Sarah wedged in between the two boys. And Leo was going out of his way to make Nix feel comfortable, even teaching her a few words in Spanish. Yet, as much as Nix tried to relax and enjoy Leo's company, she couldn't help feel a twinge of hurt when Jordan said something to make Sarah laugh, or when Tiago showed Sarah the latest cell phone video of McGuckin smacking a student upside the head. Sarah Hainsworth was like the destroying angel, perfect, beautiful, and oblivious, as she ripped Nix's only friends away. Leo nudged Nix. Okay, try this one, Kodo. Um, head? No, silly. Head is cabeza. Kodo's elbow. Leave her alone, Leo, Tiago said from the back. Not everyone cares that you speak a second language, which reminds me, could you not call me Santi in public? I have a hard enough time with Fawn trying to call me Alfie. Alfie, huh? Leo said, and he picked up speed. That's pretty good. I think we found a new nickname for you. Nix turned her gaze to the rearview mirror, trying to take her mind off the whizzing street signs. Call me that once, Tiago replied, and I'll tell the whole school your middle name is Ariel. Yeah, right, Jordan said, reaching over Sarah to give Tiago a playful shove into the window. Tiago shoved Jordan back, practically embracing Sarah in the process. Nix shifted her attention to the oncoming traffic to take her mind off the scene in the mirror. Unfortunately, Ariel really is my middle name, Leo said with a sigh. But in my mum's defence, she named me before the mermaid movie came out. In Spain, it's a boy's name, Tiago explained. But I think the students at Cross High would get a kick out of it. Vale, point taken, hermanito, Leo said. No more Alfie. Don't feel bad, Sarah said. Quincy's middle name was Melville. You can't be serious, Jordan said. Nix was the only one who didn't laugh. Was it a coincidence she'd brought up Quincy? Did she need to talk about it with someone? Melville's way worse than Alfie, Tiago said. I guess it was his grandpa's name. Nix caught Sarah's eye, and before she knew what she was doing, she blurted out, Do you know where Quincy is? A profound silence fell on the car, leaving only the hum of the engine and the tires crunching on the gravel of the trailer park. Idiot. Nix could have kicked herself. So much for tact. So much for not making a fool out of herself. She'd lasted, what, less than a week? The car came to a stop. Nix opened the door and stepped out. Close the door, Sarah said. Everyone looked at her. Nix, get back in here and shut the door so I can tell you, Sarah said. Nix re-entered and closed the door. Nobody said a word while they waited for Sarah to begin. The night Quincy disappeared, Sarah said finally, her hands on her knees. He was supposed to meet me so we could talk about our future. We were so dumb. He was eleven, I was ten. We already had our wedding day picked out. Anyway, I took off without telling my dad and rode my bike two hours into town. I was supposed to meet him at our special place, where we first held hands. Sarah's face reddened, but no one dared smile. 
I waited there for three hours, Sarah continued. But when it got dark, I knew I had to get home. By the time I made it back up the hill, I was exhausted and furious. Even though I knew my dad would be freaking out by then, I rode past my house and on to Quincy's. Nix shivered. It seemed she had more in common with Sarah than she'd thought, running off without permission, behaving irrationally when boys were involved. It was already past ten, but I saw lights on, like, all of them. I got to the porch and was about to knock. That's when I noticed how quiet it was. No talking or moving around inside, not even the sound of a TV. So I chickened out and ran back home. Well, rode my bike. I haven't seen Quincy since. So he never hinted that he might be leaving or anything? Nix asked. Sarah shook her head. The only thing is, Quincy called me later that night but didn't say anything. Like he needed to say goodbye, but he didn't want to get me involved. Wow, Tiago said. So you don't know where he is, Jordan said. Mr. Abendroth stopped by my house the next day. I told him I didn't know anything, but he was acting really weird, like he didn't believe me. When he started making threats, my dad came down and told him to get off our property or he'd shoot him. Leo whistled. Don't mess with a rich guy's daughter. Nix chose her words carefully. So you think Quincy's dad might still be trying to find him? Sarah shrugged. It's just that it would make a lot of sense, Nix continued. I mean, with the guy breaking into your room, if Mr. Abendroth thinks you know something but are refusing to tell, he might resort to different methods. Are you saying Mr. Abendroth stole my diary? Sarah asked, as if Nix had suggested Pillowhead had broken in to use the bathroom and the diary ended up as toilet paper. That was like forever ago. Why would he suddenly start bugging me again? Nix was losing ground. Backpedal. You're right, that does seem a little silly. She opened the door again. But do you think it might be possible that it really was Quincy that called you tonight? Like you said, it's been five years. His voice has probably changed a lot. You might not have recognized- It wasn't Quincy, Sarah said, her voice hard. I know it wasn't. Nix nodded, suddenly feeling very alone. Why hadn't Jordan tried to back her up? Maybe he thought the same thing as Sarah, that the caller was a prankster and Nix was being paranoid, just like her crazy mother. She had one leg out of the car when Sarah spoke again. And Nix, I know you've been trying to protect me lately, and it's really sweet, but I'm going to be fine. Don't need to worry about me anymore, okay? Nix nodded. She closed the door without turning around so the boys wouldn't see her blotchy forehead. The gravel crunched once more as Leo backed out of the trailer park and sped away down the street. Nix rubbed at her eyes and turned to watch the car go. She wasn't sure if she was losing her friends, her mind, or both. But one thing she was sure of. For the second time that month, she'd just been fired. While this thought depressed her a little, Nix felt strangely relieved not to have to be the one to watch over Sarah anymore. She had done her best, and now it was out of her hands. Besides, Nix had other things to worry about, like whether she had some sort of strange fainting disorder, or if she was just losing it. Nix didn't know why she wandered toward her trailer. She could have gone anywhere and avoided her mother altogether, but some part of her was anxious for things to be back to normal. She needed something to prove she was awake, that all of this nonsense about leaving her body was only a weird dream. Enduring one of her mother's lectures helped a little, but her mind kept drifting back to the fat girl lying on the stage. Around the time Mrs. Wack began squawking about the two new hairless cats and how getting medication was the top priority, Nix decided her normal life wasn't really such a comforting diversion after all. Why was she clinging so desperately to the familiar? Would change be so bad? 
As far as her home life was concerned, things could only get better. Still, the prospect scared her. She could already feel the revolution coming like pressure in the air before a storm. This wouldn't be some little rain shower, either. The approaching hurricane would change everything. For the first time that Nix could remember, she simply wanted to stay home. I really don't feel well, she said to her mother. I'm going to bed early. Are you sick? I don't know, Nick said. Something's wrong with me. Mrs. Wax surprised her by not insisting she go to work anyway. Maybe Nix looked as awful as she felt. You'd better call Dibble, Mrs. Wax said. There's some aspirin in the bathroom cabinet. After pretending to dial and notify her employer, Nix opened a can of corn and brought it into the bedroom with her. Toadstool hopped on the bed and looked longingly at her, but when Nix set a kernel of it in front of him, he turned his nose up at it. Nix tried not to think about anything at all as she munched on the cold corn and dressed in her pajamas. The exhaustion her body radiated was nothing compared to what her head was dealing with. Her brain had been twisted in knots. It was strange being in bed when the sun shone through the windows, and Toadstool seemed thoroughly confused, but within minutes they were both asleep. Nix woke only a few hours later, to the sound of the telephone being slammed repeatedly against her bedroom door. She shambled over to open it. Would you tell your little school friends not to call so late? Mrs. Wack thrust the phone into Nix's hand and stomped back down the hall. Hello? She sounded like a chain-smoking bullfrog. I believe you. Jordan? What time is it? It's ten, sorry. I wanted to make sure you'd be home from work, er, you know what I mean. Can you come over tomorrow? I want to try something. We can talk about it at school, Jordan. Tomorrow's Saturday. Can you come over in the morning? Nix rubbed her eyes and looked out the window, as if that would help her get her bearings. It was pitch black. Not even a lonely star penetrated the cloud cover. Well, I'm not supposed to be at work until noon, she said through a yawn. I guess I can tell my mom I'm going in early. Perfect, Jordan said. I'll see you at eight. The phone clicked and went silent. Nick set the phone on her dresser and slid back under the covers. Before she drifted off to sleep again, she realized the significance of Jordan's call. Her best friend didn't think she was crazy anymore. Whatever happened next, at least they'd deal with it together. In the morning, Nix awoke wet. At first, she panicked, thinking she'd reverted to bad childhood habits. Then hesitantly, she smelled it. Sweat? This was definitely new. She threw her layers of blankets back, sending a groggy toad onto the floor. Nix climbed out of bed easily. She felt good. No stiff limbs, no exhaustion. She'd have to get 15 hours of sleep more often. Finally well-rested, Nix found it easier to see things in perspective. Yesterday's incident at the audition seemed exciting now, and the fact that Jordan believed her made her chest bubble with anticipation. What did he want to see her about? Mrs. Wack didn't require a lot of convincing as far as Nix leaving early to work. Anything that earned the family more cat food money was okay in her book. The walk was surprisingly chilly. Sweater weather was close. Baggy hoodies were the absolute best thing for concealing unsightly body bulges. Jordan opened his front door fully dressed. I didn't think you'd be up, Nick said. I was up at five. I had to mow the lawn. He moved aside to let her enter. But your neighbors loved that. They can't really complain because I do their yards too. Where is everybody? Dad's at work, but of course the Nintendo junkie didn't want to go over to her friends, so we're stuck with her. Nix grinned. That's okay. He couldn't explain why it felt so good to be in the Frost home. Maybe it was because everyone who lived there treated her like a real person, 
or the fact that the furniture matched and didn't smell like cat pee. Jordan opened the fridge. Want something to eat? The boy was a lifesaver. Yes, please. My mom doesn't believe in breakfast anymore. Nix poured herself a large bowl of sugar-coated puffed rice and brought it into the living room where Amy occupied her usual seat in front of the TV. Nix didn't recognize the game. Some sort of pony farm simulation? Nix and I need this room, Jordan said with all the sweetness of a bossy older brother. You'll have to go in your bedroom or something. The room is big enough for everyone, Amy said, still staring at the screen. We need you out. You can go play your Game Boy. I was here first. Nix doesn't mind if I use another room, do you? Not really. Nix cast an apologetic look at Jordan. He bugged his eyes at her. We'll have to do it out back then. Nix finished her cereal and joined Jordan in the backyard. The sky hadn't changed since yesterday. Cool, overcast, and dark. As much as Nix loved the sun, she liked rainy weather more. Somehow having the world lit in a soft, even light made everything feel like a dream. No shadows, no sun to tell what time of day it was, just a uniform gray haze. Jordan thought she was morbid. The pillow and blanket had been placed neatly in the hammock. Crouched next to one of the trees, Jordan dug through a bright blue duffel bag. Nix eyed the hammock. You're not going to try to get me to fall asleep again, are you? Jordan shook his head and pulled out a blood pressure cuff. Here we go. It's a wonder they find anything in these bags. He'd obviously stolen one of his dad's first responder bags from the police cruiser. Hopefully Sergeant Frost wouldn't need it today. But what the flip was Jordan planning to use it for? Nix took a shaky seat in the hammock and breathed in the scent of the recently mown grass. You still haven't told me what we're doing. Well, I told you last night that I believe you. Jordan slid a thermometer out of its case. I wanted to see if you could do it again. You believe me? Nix repeated slowly. He wasn't even sure what it was that Jordan was supposed to be believing. Let's just say that now I think it's possible. After I got home yesterday, I did some research on the World Wide Web. What, like how to tell if your friend's gone crazy? No, like astral projection, spirits, near-death experiences, that kind of thing. Oh, Nix felt a little uncomfortable. She didn't really understand what Jordan was talking about, but it sounded a lot scarier than simply dreaming about the future. Some Chinese monks claim they can leave their bodies during meditation, Jordan said. Their souls go up into some sort of ethereal plane until they feel like coming back. So you think I practice Chinese meditation in my sleep? Jordan shrugged. Maybe we can try to recreate yesterday's incident. So what happens to the monk's body while their soul or whatever goes somewhere else? That part wasn't really clear. I think they go into some kind of deep coma. That might explain why you couldn't wake me up. Nix looked up at the ceiling of gray clouds and imagined floating toward them. It seemed kind of silly. Shall we? Jordan asked. I brought out the cordless phone in case something goes wrong. That's comforting. Nix stretched out on the hammock. Wait, wasn't I standing yesterday when it happened? Yeah, but do you really want to fall and hit your head again? Good point, Brainy. I'm not as stupid as you look. Jordan grinned and sat cross-legged on the grass. Okay, try to do everything you did yesterday. Jordan fell silent, and Nix took her mind back to the audition. She'd been nervous. She was starting to feel a little nervous now. This was good. The music had been playing. She'd been worried about coming in. No, first she was trying to calm down. Nix took a few deep breaths. How's it coming? Seriously? Right, sorry. Nix took another deep breath. How had it all started? She remembered her hands at her sides. Then to calm down, she breathed deeply and relaxed her muscles. That's right, she had started with the hands, then the arms and shoulders. 
That's about when she collapsed onto the stage. Nix tried it, breathing and relaxing. More breathing. Nothing was happening. She could still feel the hammock under her. There had to be something else. Nix rolled over and looked at Jordan. This is dumb. Try again, I'll shut up, I swear. Nix closed her eyes and this time tried to picture the inside of the auditorium. She imagined she could see the crowd of students below her. She could feel the heat of the lights on her face. The memory of a strange sensation flitted along the edge of her mind until her consciousness caught it. The feeling of the blood slowing in her veins. Had she imagined it? Nobody could actually feel blood moving inside them. That would be like your brain getting an itch. But it had seemed so real. She remembered more now. She'd been trying to slow her pulse by relaxing the muscles in her chest, too. Nix's focus turned inward, and she noticed familiar stirrings deep inside, like some rusty machine sputtering to life. Abruptly, Nix felt something move inside her like a bird fluttering, and then go still. This was getting weird. She felt it again. This time, it felt less like a bird and more like some tiny creature trying to claw its way out of her innards. She waited. Another tremor. But what was it? Did all this have something to do with her fainting yesterday? Why hadn't she noticed any of these feelings then? It took Nick several more vibrations to realize she was causing it. At least she thought she was. It was hard to tell. The sensation seemed slippery, like her mind kept losing its grip on the lever. Whenever she lost the connection, the fluttering would go off on its own as if she'd never had control in the first place. But each time she found it again and concentrated on manipulating the switch. Flutter. Rest. Flutter. Rest. After a while, it began to get easier. Soon, Nix found she could delay the flutters or speed them up, as if adjusting a dial. It was like discovering another limb she'd never used, never even noticed, until now. But what was the muscle attached to it? Some valve in her throat? Maybe her windpipe? If she'd been cutting off her air, that could explain why she was fainting all the time. But wouldn't she start choking or gasping before she passed out? On stage, it had been almost peaceful. It had to be something else. Nix focused and examined every detail about the fluttering. It felt almost like a door was opening and shutting. With each pulse, she pinned the location down more carefully. It came from deep inside her, just above the abdomen, in the center or maybe a little to the left. It couldn't be. But as soon as she thought it, she knew it was true. For some inexplicable reason, she could actually feel the blood pumping through her heart. Did that mean the doors she felt were valves? The pressure once again stretched her chest, and she willed the valve to pop open, causing the tiniest wave of relief to wash through her body. It closed again. The next time, she waited, letting the pressure build until it began to hurt. Her body seemed impatient with all this discovery. Yes, yes, it was saying. I've known this all along. Here, let me do it. Nick surrendered to her instincts and instantly felt a change in her chest. A peculiar loosening occurred deep inside her, as if a coil had suddenly lost its spring. While the sensation was completely foreign to Nyx, her body seemed to know exactly what it was doing. There was something familiar about the way her insides slowed, like a giant clock winding down, some unseen pin finally reaching its last click. Then she felt something in her core wobble. There was no other word for it. And this sensation didn't come from her heart, but from behind her navel. It felt like her body had expanded for a split second, or grown loose, like some internal glue had come unstuck, and then suddenly reattached itself. I can't, Nix jumped out of the hammock, or rather fell under her face. Jordan barely scrambled out of the way in time to avoid getting flattened. What's wrong? Nix clutched at her chest as if it might cave in at any minute. 
I could feel my heart. Okay? No, Jordan, I could feel it. Like, I could actually sense the blood flowing through it and the valves opening and stuff, and I think I was actually controlling it. Pretty sure bodies aren't made to do that, Nix thought for a second. Well, our bodies aren't really made to wiggle our ears, but some people can do it. Maybe I'm one of the few who can wiggle my heart? Jordan stared at Nix, grinning slightly. Is that even possible? You're the researcher. Find anything about freaks that can make their hearts stop beating? Jordan's eyes grew wide. You can make it stop beating? That's what I almost did ten seconds ago. I felt my whole body slowing like I was moments away from death. That's why I freaked. Nix picked herself up off the ground. Jordan stuffed the pressure cuff back into the bag. This doesn't sound like Chinese meditation. More like suicide. I think we should go inside. No, it scared me as all. I was so close. I know I can do this. He climbed back into the hammock. That's what I'm afraid of. Jordan sat back down, his face twisted with anxiety. It only took Nix a few moments to gain control of the muscle in her chest again. This time, however, instead of focusing on opening and closing the valves, she focused on recreating the loosening feeling. While Nix knew next to nothing about how her heart worked, a couple of things seemed obvious. The blood flowed pretty quickly through her veins. When she held the valves closed, it was like slamming on the brakes. It hurt and probably wasn't very good for her body. On the other hand, if she could figure out how to take her foot off the gas pedal, maybe she could avoid all the trauma to her precious organ. She would probably need it after all. But what made the heart beat? Where was the gas pedal? Almost immediately, Nix noticed little pinpricks accompanying each flutter, like tiny electric shocks, prodding the muscle to contract. With a little practice, Nix found she could slow the shock, delay it. With enough force, she might be able to stop it altogether. But what would that do? Would it kill her? Was she really about to commit suicide in a way nobody ever had? There had to be a reason. All this seemed familiar, though. Obviously, she had done this before. The only difference was that this time, she started out conscious and could observe what was going on. Nix felt the impulse coming. A little messenger with the sole purpose of stimulating her heart into pumping life through the veins. With all her might, Nix pushed the electric current back where it came from. Her heart went still. The effect was instantaneous. It was as if two tightly bound magnets suddenly lost their polarity and slid past each other. She was out.